Hello. Welcome to Goth and Bougie Podcast. Goth and Bougie are coloring with cunts that we haven't colored in a while. <laughs> that was true. I have the coloring book here. I just I feel like I should put my, head, my headphones on because you have your headphones on. I just put my headphones on so I could hear a little bit better and... I don't know. I just felt like we're raining. It was raining today. Yes, it's been raining all week. It's very rainy time right now here. Yes. Yeah, like Dallas weather. Yeah, pretty much everything that hits hits there hits here. I mean, it's it's not much difference because the way the currents, the air currents or whatever, we tend to get a lot of what the same we, you get. We get that weather like so they get it, and then we get it like three or four days later. So we get like mm-hmm. next week. So we'll mm-hmm. probably have rain like all next week because it's rained there all week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, was I know I heard him. <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> Charlie. What? I'm sorry we're not video recording this. You do look super cute. Everyone said that to me, and I'm just like, my hair's just long. My hair's gotten so freaking long. And I just I mean, just the, everything's good. I like the top. I like the necklaces. Like really pretty. It's a it's a jumpsuit and it has pockets. Pockets. So, yeah, pockets. It has pockets. So you said you've had a crazy day. Yeah, just I've had a crazy week. What episode is this? <laughs> really? Seventy six guys, and um, it's a serial killer true crime. You can choose what you want. I'm going to do a true crime. Bell was yeah. going to record today, but I'm going to go ahead and do it this week. We kind of flip flopped it a little bit because we do what the fuck we want. So, hello, that's the truth. Yes. So, tell me about your week and what you've been doing. Oh, we'll we haven't about... recorded. We haven't recorded in two weeks, so a lot has happened. Like yeah. a lot has happened. So, the Friday, the Saturday. So the last one that released was this past weekend. Um, so the last time we recorded that, we recorded whatever that Thursday. So that Saturday, we went to the Southeast Punk Flea Market. Hmm. I was in heaven. I mean, I was so freaking giddy. We, okay, that's the week that my car, like that I didn't have brakes and I didn't have yeah, the other. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to remind so me. I was trying Saturday, to remember. Right, yeah, so right. that Saturday, like we're driving there and he's like, be quiet. I hear something. Well, I sent a picture to you. This huge, like metal shard went into my fucking tire. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, so yeah. So it's just been, it was crazy, but I'm like, it's fine. I'm not going to let it ruin the day. And it did it. And I met some really cool people there that are like my kind of people and your kind of people, like the weird people. And, um, it was a lot of fun. So Jeff, actually our patrons are going to, I texted you, they're going, you guys are going to be getting a surprise gift. Belle doesn't even know what it is. Yeah, don't. Uh, our patron, Jeff, my boyfriend, he, um, is donating these to the podcast. He bought them um, and donating to the podcast. And he also bought enough. So when we have new podcast joint people that join our patron, um, we can send them one as well. Um, so we got it from Ian's Record Clocks. Um, and he's from Durham, North Carolina. He has an Etsy shop and um, Ian's Record Clocks. And that's where we got this. It's not a clock though, but that's where we got this specific surprise that we're going to be sending I'm out. I'm like, I don't need a clock. Please do not no, send me a fucking they're clock. They're really, really cool. No, it's not a clock. He has, he has like little um, eclectic things there too. Plus clocks that are like on old records. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, so I just wanted to shout that out. Um, and then there was a Bing Bang shop that was really cool. And I got a couple of shirts from there. Um, so we did that. And then is this like a one-time flea market or is it there all the no, time? No, they come, they go all the time. So the next one is they're like every couple, like every other month. 
So the next one's going to be, so Georgia is not that, I guess the Georgia is not far from us. It's about an hour and a half south and um, they're going to be there next time. But I don't think we're going to be, I'm not going to be here that weekend. I think we're doing something bike. But anyways, and then the next weekend was Mother's Day. Um, of course, I didn't get to see my kids. Super sad. I know your, your kids were there, but um, they sent me flowers. Jeff was really, really good. That was Mother's Day weekend. And um, he just, he bought everything for, like, spoiled me. Uh, I got a pinup dress. I got two cute shirts with the pinup girl. And it says, I myself am strange and unusual. Um, <laughs> just really cool stuff that we got there. And then Mother's Day, as I said, um, we went to, we rode the bike that night too, once we got home and we went to this really cool restaurant. And um, it's like a biker bar restaurant type thing, really hole in the wall. And we were there and this girl was this beautiful young lady. I, she's maybe like 18, 19 years old. She was playing music when I sent you. Her name's yeah. Lola Grace. Super cool. Her Doc Martens on, cute as, cute as a bug. And um, so I introduced myself and then she like, she came and sat down next to me. We were just chit-chatting about stuff. But her name's Lola Grace. It's Lola Grace Music on Instagram. If you guys want to go follow her. So super cool girl. Robert super and I cool. just bought us new docs. I got me a pair yeah. of Mary Jane docs. Yeah. I, I need to get some with the writing and stuff. I got leopard print writing boots that are coming. Jeff doesn't know. Now he doesn't. <laughs> he's listening, but yeah. Um, so we met her and, um, I mean, this past week was my birthday was yesterday. So I happy birthday. Um, it was a good day. I just, like I got taken to, I went to, um, lunch with the girls at work, took me to lunch. Um, Eva did to the Greek restaurant. That's super good. That oh, uh, Jeff and I love going to, um, and then last Sunday we went to the beach when I FaceTimed you. Oh my God. He caught a shark. Yeah, no, I saw that was cool. 120 pound shark, freaking crazy. And, you know, I'm like freaking out. I'm like, you're going to hurt it. Put it back in there. <laughs> I figured you were caught. freaking out. Afraid he was going to get bitten or something. Um, I was more freaked out when he caught the stingray and he was holding up the stingray and the tail. I was scared it was going to go into his heart. So I thought <laughs> it was going to Like, I'm freaking, I'm like, oh my God, you're going to die. Okay, I just, like, we just, <laughs> we're just starting our lives together, you know? Um, That's funny. Then I'm dying laughing because I took pictures of the stingray and then I'm dying. I don't know if I sent them to you, but I'm dying laughing at the stingray's face. <laughs> like, he's, like, <laughs> he's like, help, fuck this shit, not today. <laughs> so yeah, I just died laughing at that. But I mean, that's pretty much it. He rode the bike Saturday. They went to Myrtle Beach because it was bike week. Um, I was mad because I wanted to go to the beach, but I didn't want to get dumped off at the beach while they went and had fun. So I thought yeah. I stay home. <laughs> I was being a brat you know, so I'm like, it's fine. I have to stay home. So I worked and then did that Sunday. And then we're going back to the beach on this Sunday. Uh, I mean, this Saturday, we're going to get there early and then come home. He said, we're coming home. Like, I'm like, okay, well, we can come home like seven o'clock. No, we're going to stay to like 10, 11 o'clock because that's what the light at glow things are to use on the beach, to fish on the beach with. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just going for a tan. I can't tan it. <laughs> My thought goes to then. There's crabs all over the beach. Stuff's going to come over and start bothering me. I'm not sure I'm going to be okay with this. So, yeah. Now, do you um, have like a chair or like a camping chair? Yeah. Can, yeah. So, you're not yeah, like owned? Yeah. I'll take my chair. We just, last Sunday was just like, like I got, he's like, get up. We have somewhere to go. And I'm like, what do you mean we have somewhere to go? So, we didn't get there till like two o'clock. We left at like, 
I don't know, seven, but then we stopped at um, Charleston Crab House and had yeah. dinner for the, and it was a beautiful sunset and we're sitting there eating and there's like glass, it's like along the little, one of the little inlet type things, like the little river that flows into the ocean. Mm. And so we're sitting there eating, we had, we were right by the window and all of a sudden I'm talking to Jeff and we're both like facing the window, right? And he's facing like opposite what I'm facing. And I look and there's this raccoon and he's <laughs> like across the like, little outside of the window, like the little ledge, like you can't see me. <laughs> I was dying laughing. I'm just talking and I'm like, what the fuck? And Jeff's like, what? <laughs> there's a raccoon and he just sees him all of a sudden. And the whole restaurant's dying laughing, this raccoon, because he's like sneaking. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. And then I'm still trying to like catch up with sleep because we got home so late, like we had to be at work Monday and um I've just worked every night and then said Saturday we're gonna go to the beach again. It's gonna be a really good day. So and yeah, then we're the thinking of maybe doing like a, a weekend trip to because we're closer to Destin and Destin. Pensacola and all that here. We've never been there. So we're like, hey, now that we're Destin is this side, we can go there. See how you can tell us everything to do in New Orleans. I can tell you everything to do in Destin because mm-hmm. we've been so many times that um there's just so much fun stuff to do. Like I don't know. It's we drink. <laughs> we sit on the beach and we drink. Like that's pretty much it. But the condos and stuff, I can tell you which ones to go to. Um, SouthernResorts.com is a website we always use. Um, they have Airbnbs too. I've used Airbnb. Um, down Southern Resorts. Yes, SouthernResorts.com, and they make it military discounts as well. If you talk to them, and um, if you call them, you can usually get a little bit cheaper rate. Um, they're all they're always really nice and accommodating. Um, we stay at the Mara Villa which is like right, like the beach is right there. Um, that's pretty in the middle of everything. I don't know. We went July 4th one year and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Cause there's, you're sitting on the beach and there's just fireworks going off everywhere. Yeah. We're going back to that, to the RV on this July 4th. We've already planned that. We're going to be yeah. back there. Yeah. Cause, cause again, that you're sit on the deck and the fireworks, you see them all, all around right, the, right. Cause you guys the are lake. on the lake. Mm-hmm. So. But that's pretty much all that I've done. So I'm going to sit at the beach again, like I said, this Saturday. And he's going shark fishing because he can't just sit on the beach. But I'm just going to sit on the beach to get a tan. Um, yeah. I don't and like to get a much- tan. I'll sit under the umbrella and just watch the water. I like to sit on the beach and just watch the water. But I'm like, keep the sun oh, no. away. I get up and I put my feet in the water and then I go lay back down. There's a lot of jellyfish. Brown yeah, jellyfish. I saw that when he was, he pick- he was picking a video. The- and there was another one right there. Yeah, he was picking them up and throwing it back into the ocean. Oh, it's just going to get washed back up, but that's cute. Well, it was still alive. It was pulsating. It's it's, that, it's <laughs> like that story of the, the starfish along the beach and the little girl throws the one starfish back. And the friend's like, why are you doing that? It doesn't matter. And they, the girl says, well, it matters to that one. Yeah. Like, one of them did wash back up. Like, <laughs> that one's dead. But he's like, this one's kind of pulsating still. I'm like, he's the, he's the um, jellyfish rescuer so yeah it's just it's fun the little town we went to folly beach which is um a little bit south from myrtle beach um it took us about two hour and a 45 minutes two hours to get there outside of charleston i definitely could see myself living in charleston more than here Mm, because it's more city it's more um it's it's not as country Mm, like it's mm -hmm. more it's more city life Um, yeah yeah so 
yeah. And Folly Beach was really cool. It reminded me a lot of Seaside in Destin. Seaside and um, close to Destin is where um, the Truman Show was filmed. Have you seen the Truman oh, Show? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Seaside, Florida is kind of reminded me of it's like a little bitty beach town. Um, there's like a little strip with all these bars and, you know, shops to go buy, like tourist shops and stuff and buy souvenirs. But it was really clean. There wasn't a lot of people there. Um, the beach was very clean. I felt very safe. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of riffraff going on. Um, like, riff raff. like you are the riffraff. Yeah, I am the riffraff. In Galveston, there's a lot of riffraff going on. You don't yeah. walk away from your stuff. And that's not, and Destin, it's kind of like Destin. It's very family oriented. Um, but there's still like, you know, like people our age there without kids having a good old time and partying and stuff. So, I mean, it was a lot of, we had a good time. So, yeah. So how's your week been? Uh, well, like I'm trying to think back to when we last recorded. So we last recorded before Mother's Day, right? Yes. I think, I think Cheyenne was coming in that night. Yes. 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 So, um, Cheyenne, my older daughter and my dad flew in. My dad hasn't flown since he was, you know, I think 19 or 20 way before nine 11. So, um, that was interesting. My daughter sent me like videos and stuff. So Cheyenne lost her license like the week before. I read your dad's story. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. And I was like, Oh, Oh my God. Well, how are you going to fly? She said, well, I've called DFW and they said, that's okay. Things happen. Sometimes she got her paper license. She went and got the paper license and she had a shooting ID. Um, and they said some, them, some things like that happen and that's fine. You'll just you have to go through extra security. Well, she gets right. there and she's pushing my dad in the wheelchair and she gets up to the, the, I don't know if anyone's ever flown, you know how it is. You give your boarding pass, you give your right. ID, you pull your mask down. Um, and the woman's like, that can't accept this. And she's like, well, I called and they said I could. She's like, no, I'm sorry. I can't. So she like, oh my God. And Cheyenne's like, I'm sorry. And the lady said, well, hold on. So she calls over the radio. I need a supervisor. We have another paper ID. So Cheyenne's like, okay. So then she gets taken into uh, like a secondary security area and they were just fucking utter dicks to her. They, they asking her stuff like, she said, well, my, my, it was stolen. My wallet was stolen. She thinks it was stolen at the movie theater, but it was just gone. So she doesn't, know exactly like it wasn't like somebody pickpocketed her or grabbed it and ran and ran and the guy was like well did you file a police report she's like no I didn't know I had to and he's like well you know you're supposed to file a police report and then she's like okay and so she another time trying the things that they said to her is not in this order so but so he was looking at her ID and he was like Texas Women's University. She's like, right, I'm a student at Texas Women's. He's like, I know what Texas Women's University is. Because he said TWU and she said Texas Women's University. And he said, I know what Texas Women's University is. And she's like, okay, God, I'm not. And then he said, didn't they teach you at TWU to follow police report? I mean, just ass. Like, what's the yes, point of all nasty, that? ugly <laughs> shit. Um, She's like, well, I didn't know I had to. I mean, just ridiculous shit. She, oh, he opened her bag, which, oh my God, she accidentally sent my dad with her bag and she had my dad's bag. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So he opened the bag and he pulled up my dad's Las Vegas shirt. And he's like, Las Vegas, are you going to Las Vegas? She's like, no. Are you from Las Vegas? You can't have a fucking Las Vegas you can't have a shirt from somewhere other than where you live or where you're going. Come on now. Come on, dude. 
So she was like, no, that's actually my grandfather's bag. And he was like, well, where's your grandfather? She was like, he got pushed ahead in the wheelchair. He's waiting for me on the other side. And she he was like, oh, okay. Well, um, she was just ridiculousness that they put her there. Oh, she said, being he, petty. yes, he said, she said, I'm sorry. I called and they told me I could use a paper ID. I'm sorry. And he said, no, you can't. We've never allowed that. She said, I called and they said I could. He is. He said, that's a lie. Told her she was fucking lying. And no, it's not. Yeah, no. Sorry, I'm about to get a little empty. It's not true. Yes, you can. Because right. you just have to go through a little bit extra security if the TSA agent deems it. But because she had a picture ID. She had her student ID, her TWU ID. Had her picture so, on it. Yes, had her picture. And she had her paper license. that had her picture on it. Um, but they just decided to be assholes. Why do you have to be such assholes? So they do allow you are allowed to fly with a paper id because sometimes people go on vacation your wallet gets stolen you have to be able to get home you just have to be able to submit to the extra security when she went home from new orleans I, she went i went aside with her because she was so nervous she's like oh my god they're just gonna give me shit again because my dad flew separate than her and he had his own <laughs> god damn no <laughs> <laughs> I've got so much to tell. So my dad left a couple of days before Cheyenne. Let's back the truck up. Beep, yes, beep, beep. I saw that. Yes. So my dad <laughs> left a few days before Cheyenne. And he's like, I said, it, you, it's going to be fine, daddy. So I get him all. I, I got actually a gate pass to go into with him to wheel him all the way up to the gate to get him there in his wheelchair. He can walk, but he's older and it's hard for him. Right. And we get him there and everything went smoothly. And I talked to the, the lady at the the desk, you know, and she's like, yes, we have him on the list that he needs pre-boarding. He's hard of hearing. He can't hear us. Somebody's going to push him on. She said, yes. I said, and when, you know, you land, somebody's going to help him and push him all the way out. She's like, yes, yes, ma'am. Yes. No problem. He, th I then get this notice on my phone from the airline, the flight's been delayed. And at first I didn't realize what it said. It said new departure time, 855. His original departure time was supposed to be six o'clock. And oh, sent it to Cheyenne's boyfriend who was picking him up, fiance, who's picking him up. And he said, no, wait, what? He said, so if, if he's not leaving till nine o'clock, is it? And I said, oh, what? I didn't even read it because I just forwarded it. I'm like, holy fuck. So then my dad's texting me. And then he's then I get a text from this airline steward, the airline attendant. This is the air. This is <laughs> she took his phone and texted me for him. This flight's been delayed at least two hours because of bad weather in Dallas, just for a storm. I mean, it's not like yeah. it was sleeting or ice. <laughs> so he was delayed three fucking hours there. And I'm like, daddy, go to the bar or something. Have a drink. I'll pay for it. I'll put money in your account. He's like, no, nope, I'm afraid I'm going to miss my flight. So <laughs> he didn't leave. <laughs> so he didn't leave. He sat right there in his wheelchair. So then they actually board again. So they delayed it after they had already boarded and they had to get off the fucking plane. <laughs> then, then they're like, okay, we're boarding now. So he gets on, he's boarded. He's still, he's there. And he, then he texts me, oh my fucking God. He said, we've been delayed again. They were delayed on the tarmac, another 45 minutes, almost an hour sitting there. And my dad's like, and there's a baby crying. Jesus fucking kill me now. <laughs> He's like, if there's a time to go, I'm ready to go now, Lord. I'm like, oh God. I said, Daddy, I'm so sorry. I said, <laughs> oh my God. I said, you have gotten the worst experience you could possibly get on your first 
flight. I said, we have, me and Robert have flown so many times and we've never had something that bad happen. I no, was like, that's I'm the just- same. That's the same kind of shit I had. I remember when I was delayed. Yes, I was yes, here. yes. Like, I'm just like, I felt so sorry like for my poor dad. Yes. And man, he hadn't eaten. Slid. He hadn't eaten. He's low blood sugar. I'm like, oh, dad, you no. gotta go get something to drink. So, I mean, he was just, he was in a tizzy. But he, I said, I hope that doesn't let you, you know, deter you from coming back. He's like, no, I'm initiated now. I'm a pro mm-hmm. at flying shit. I'm like, oh my gosh. I, I sat there for eight hours. I'm a fucking pro. <sighs> God, yeah. He's like, I got this. So then- Fast forward then a few days later, Cheyenne's flying back. So Cheyenne is like, I'm nervous. It's going to be, you know, so I'm like, okay, I can't get a gate pass. Yes. I can't get a gate pass to go with you. But I went Mm -hmm. up there with her. I checked her in. And then I asked the security agent uh, at, you know, the line, I said, she only has a paper ID. Is there a different line to get in? Because at DFW, they told her, well, there's somewhere else you have to go. She waited in that long ass line up there to get my dad through. They pushed him through and then told her she had to go somewhere else. So they said, and then this lady was like, no, you just have to take it up with the TSA agent when you get up there. So I'm sitting there watching. You've been, we've been to New Orleans airport. You know, you, you can see there's only one line. I mean, there's a lot of different kiosks, but just one line. So I'm watching, she keeps looking back and I'm like, I'm still here. (laughs) And the funny thing was when I dropped my dad off, the same thing, like dropping off a little kid. I'm like, look, I look back at my dad, make sure he's still sitting there. My daddy's still sitting there. Cheyenne's (laughs) looking at me and I'm waving like, Hey, I'm here. I'm here, babe. So I see her get up to the agent where you hand your boarding pass and hand right. your ID. And I see her then hand her student ID over and I see her pull her mask down and I see them hand it back to her and they wave her on. That was it. Yeah, that that specific person at DFW, they were was being one, a fucking dick. Absolutely. But number one, they were having a bad day. Number two, the first person that started it that said, there's another paper ID out here. Her yes. Pictures on there. It's not an issue from the text. It happens. Of- it clearly happens because these, the people in New Orleans didn't even blink. And as long as you have, I mean, come on now. I mean, he just wanted to be a fucking dick is what it's, it would be. I could see that. I could see it being an issue if she just had the paper, but she had her fucking school ID that has her goddamn picture on it. And the license that had her picture black and white. It has that was, her fucking yes, same name yes. on it. She's flying domestic. It's not, and she had a return. <laughs> it. It's not, yeah, this guy was just being a fucking asshole and just a little bit, a little bit of fucking authority. And mm-hmm. then they think that, you know, they can be that way. Um, so while they were here, it was, it was good. It was a good visit. We had a good time. They, she made me fucking gourmet breakfast from HelloFresh. It was awesome. We, um, it was nice because it was more chill than we've ever had a visit here before, you know, family visit. Cause every time we've come before, it's always been like, go, go, go. Go, go, go. Yeah. yeah. I had rented my dad. I had rented my dad, one of the electronic scooters, the, you know, motorized scooters. The ride around so he, New Orleans. Yes. It was awesome. He, he was driving around. I mean, l- luckily each, um, curb has an, a, a ramp to get up onto the street, but it was a good time. It was, we went to the aquarium. We had a carriage ride. Um, it was, it was nice. It was, it was really nice. Um, and then they flew back, but, um, so let's get real. This is, this is, so I'm going to talk some personal shit. And if, if this is not your kind of thing and you're listening, you might want to just fast forward to after the break or whatever, because we tell you guys we're real people and we talk about real life because some of you may be going through the same shit we go through. Yes. You know, 
Yes, absolutely. So um, I shared something just a minute ago on Facebook because it really hit home with me. And it, it said, it says, normalize not bringing up a relatable story about yourself when someone is telling you something about themselves and just listen. Because recently I've been struggling really, really badly. And I shared this on one of the last episodes we talked, how I've reached out to the, the cerebral um, platform and gotten mm -hmm. into some counseling mm -hmm. and that's been a really good thing and I think that making that first first reach out has just made it all bubble up even more yeah um but I'm proud of you for actually doing it Very yeah proud of yeah I, I want to be proud of myself too but it's hard because I'm like I shouldn't have even done it what's the point because I've talk to some people in my life and it's like I feel belittled sometimes I feel like oh well you have a life other people would really want I mean and, and not I don't want anyone to get me wrong I love living here I love that I have a good job that I can maybe even take time off of work if I need to take time off work for for mental issues I, I love that I have you know, a family that is wonderfully supportive and I have, and I live, and I'm living here in one of the most beautiful places on earth. And I have people in my life that's there, but then some people think that they're helping and they're not really helping. They, they think that, and it's really hard because I'm, oh God, I'm always the person like always, I can think of so many people I could name, but I'm not going to name because they may listen to the show, but they always reach out to me for help, for, for words of wisdom, for, yeah. for, to be the backbone to, and it's hard when you're that person then that needs someone to worry about you. Cause I worry about everyone and their well-being. I worry about everyone's mental health. I worry, are they happy? Are they satisfied? Are they, are they okay? And I'm feeling lately that I don't have that same worry. I don't have anyone who worries about me. Well, I worry about I keep, you every day. Because I keep it, I keep it inside and I right. put on a brave face and I put on a smile and I put on it's not that bad. It could be worse. And that's hard too because I'm thinking it's not that bad. It could be worse. But when when you're saying, okay, I'm in this place and I know it's not rational, I know it doesn't make sense that I'm feeling this way and I need help. Just listen, just listen to that person. Just, just tell them that you're there for them and it's, it's okay to feel that way. Don't tell yeah. them what you've been through. Don't tell them that, you know, I went through this and I was okay. Just, just be there. Just because mm -hmm. I did, I haven't reached out so many times. I haven't texted people in my life because I didn't want them to tell me Oh, what I was going through this with with my family or whatever was going on, I did this. I don't. I don't want to hear that. I don't. I don't want to hear it. I want because it may not be the same for you. Whatever they've experienced may not be the same because they experienced maybe the same thing. The outcome may not be the same for you, and they're saying basically that it's going to be the same outcome, and it's not always that way. It's it's sometimes it's belittling because mm -hmm. I have heard everybody's story, and a lot of times. I've, I've learned not to tell them what I went through too, because right. honestly, I have, I have been through mm -hmm. every fucking scenario that anyone mm -hmm. has ever shared with me. 
I've lost my mom. I've lost my brother. I've lost people to suicide. I've, I've, I've got a child who's autistic. I've got a child who's, who's um, non-binary. I've got a daughter who, you know, whose dad abandoned her. I, you know, I, I've been abused. I've, I've had a mother who was not um, emotionally supportive. I've, 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 I've been cheated on. I've, I've been all that. Mm-hmm. And I think that I've needed somebody to say to me, it's, it's okay. Just, just say it's going to be okay. So even though that's not, you know, that's that sometimes people might say, no, don't, don't say it's going to be okay. Say it's, you know, say your feelings are validated. So in actually reaching out to Cerebral and, and talking to a counselor, I mean, it just, I cried and cried and cried because I felt like somebody was actually listening to me and mm-hmm. not thinking in their head about what happened to them. Um, but we went out the other day, I called in sick at work because I just, I couldn't, mm-hmm. couldn't even focus at work and call in sick, even though I'm working from home, but, and, and we went out for a drink. I said, do you want to go? And that's the cemetery pictures. I, again, if you see, you might see pictures of me, you know, the photo shoots we do and not realize what's really going on behind yeah. You know, it seems like, oh, she's fine. She's having a photo shoot and she's all dressed up and she's got makeup on and look at these places are going that you, you have no idea what somebody's going through. And right. oftentimes what they put on social media is a facade. Absolutely. It's not, it's not real. It's, it's, it doesn't feel real. And even the yeah. accolades that people telling you, oh, all this great stuff. I feel like it's not real. It's their like It's, it's this persona. It's not me. You know, I feel like it's not, not really me that people care about. It's this, this person, this, this person that they don't really know. So anyway, we went out and we had a drink and we went to the dungeon and it's funny how karma brings people into your life. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. just funny. I always have these weird conversations, but we talked to these two guys who were there and who were visiting and he said, He uh, asked me my name. I was sitting on the throne at the dungeon, you know, the little mm-hmm. throne. Right, thing. right. And I said, my name's Belinda. And he said, oh, can I call you B? And I'm like, okay, sure. You can call me B. I said, you can call me Queen B. Cause you know, I'm here. <laughs> I am the queen. The queen B. <laughs> I am the queen, you know? And again, I was being the persona. I was being. Right. And he's like, B. And it was actually, and it wasn't him, his friend, his friend. This is the, I'm talking about his friend. His friend goes B. And he looked at me, he said, B. And he started snapping his finger and he pointed at him and he goes, B, he said, dude, dude, it, it's, he said, it's not for you. It was for her. And then he said, give me the thing, give me the thing. And I'm like, what, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Number one, I'm like, this guy's, cause you know, we're in New Orleans and people are crazy. And he brings out this little piece of, look, look, this little bitty thing. It's a little bitty. Can you see it? I see it, but I can't, I can't read it. Right. And we're in the dungeon, which is dark and he's reading it. <laughs> and I'm like, he's like, I don't even have to read it. I know what it says. And he's y'all said, have to wait, wait, y'all. She literally closed her eye when I like put it up to her eye. <laughs> she's like, what? And I'm like, can you see that? He said, I know what it says. It doesn't matter. So he said, this is for you. And he said, I didn't know it was for you when I when I gave it to my friend, but it's like, this is actually for you. And he said, I'm gonna read it to you, Mel. He said, the bumblebee cannot fly. I said, what? He said, according to laws of aerodynamics, the bumblebee cannot fly. Its body is too heavy for its wing, wings. And that's simply the reason why. 
but the bumblebee doesn't know this fact and so it flies anyway for all to see. So remember this when you're losing faith or hope, God's proof that the impossible can be. And I'm like, I mean, it just stopped me dead in my tracks. I almost started crying. I said, dude, <laughs> I said, I needed that right now. I said, I, I said, I've had, I said, I can't even tell you the day I've had. And I said, I need that. I need that. He said, well, here you go. Like, this was for you. And mm -hmm. I thought, wow. Sometimes awesome. universe, yeah, I thought, well, that's so weird because he was like, he's like, dude, it's not for you. Give it to me. It's this is for her. And that's, you know, we talk about supernatural things and intuition and premonitions and things like that so much. And I just felt like the universe, because he said God or whatever, he actually said when it says God in the poem, he said God or whatever you feel God is, remember that, that the impossible can be, because I really feel like I'm struggling against the impossible with everything that's going through with Isabel and losing her dad and being her mom is really hard. And sometimes I feel like life's impossible, but it's gonna be okay, right, Mel? Absolutely, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay, everything's gonna be great and it's going to be okay. And I think that's one of the things that you definitely struggle with is because of all the shit that you've been through with your life that finally, like you said before, like everything's so good and going so good that you're just waiting for that one yes. bad, you're waiting it's, for the it's, bad it's news that, to pop it's, up. I, I was talking to the doctor because she prescribed me on some medication. I'm on two different medications now. And I just, I have this knot in my stomach all the time. It's because of everything that you've been through for your life and all the struggles and stuff that you guys went through, even with you growing. I mean, I've been around you since, you know, we were whatever, yeah. 14 years old, David's age, and we've been friends. And, you know, I, I know your family struggled. I know you guys struggled, not only just as a family, but also, you know, financially yeah. everything. And now you have a great job. Like you're comfortable. Like you've never been this comfortable with yeah. finances and life huh. and life is very good for you right now and it's very hard because you've never had that before that is very true that is true and so yeah. I think that's what a lot of it comes down to because you feel like everything is going so good and you're used to everything going so good I'm just waiting, just waiting for the bad I'm waiting for you're the bad. waiting for you're waiting for that call to say that someone has died you're waiting for that yeah, call. To god say, yes you're waiting for it. that call to say you know stuff that's happened even with like your sister's family. Yes, you know, yeah. Like yes. Um, her sister's fine, Sarah. You're fine. I'm yeah. talking about what you've but gone just, through your life. Yes, everybody that, in my know? family. And that's where um, I went back to I, I worry about everyone. And I'm like, I started thinking, does anyone have that same worry for me? I, you know, as a best friend, I worry I about you all the time. I mean, I worry and I about know you. I do. I know they do. I know they do. And it's selfish of me to say, I want someone to say, are you okay today? Yeah, no, I understand. And it's different whenever it's coming from other people outside, but I really do think that what he gave you definitely was meant for you. And that's just really awesome that. Yeah. Yeah. That was my happening. And also that if anyone out there is struggling to reach out for help, that even if the people in your life might, might make you feel that you're not valid, if you reach out to a counselor, they number one will absolutely make you feel valid. Oh, absolutely. And, and I said before, I'm not affiliated with Cerebral and there's a couple other ones I've seen on Facebook pop up. I'm not, I'm not affiliated with them in any way. And 
God, I wish they'd sponsor us. And if they sponsored us, shit, yeah, I'd be pushing them big time. But this program has helped me. And it, it's an affordable option, but affordable subjective, I know, but it's more affordable than the $250 pop to see a psychiatrist. Right. Um, it's, you know, the first month was uh, on a trial at $30 the first month. And after that, it's $85 a month. And you get, you talk to a psychiatrist, yes, who will help you with medication. And then, and then after that, you're teamed up with a counselor to talk to, um, and you just, it's easy to schedule on, you know, it's virtual, it's telepresence, or if you don't feel comfortable on the phone, I mean, video, you can do it on the phone. Um, I just, I, I, even telling my older daughter about this program, she's like, oh, I know I need to read, I need to talk to someone. It is accessible. It, and this program has helped me. And I think that everyone should, if you need to reach out, then reach out to that. Because well, it, May, it's been a good May is um, mental health awareness, as well oh. as as well as Cancer Awareness Month, by the way. I did not know but, that. Yes, but it is Mental Health Awareness Month. It was Mental Health Awareness Day, the last, one of the last couple of days. It's been this week that it was. Um, so yeah, it's really important that you talk about your mental health and stuff. And luckily, I mean, you're definitely blessed with a partner that, you know, husband that. But has, still, it causes stress in that too. It, it does. I mean, it, but, it bleeds over into everything. I, I know. Everything. I understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah. definitely we have you to, you know, we both have, finally I do, but you have a great husband, you know, that you can still talk to Robert about a lot of stuff and you guys can come up with situational, like, you know, plans and stuff with that. And we're not used to having that either. Mm, I know. Right. We're actually, yeah. we, we, we are planning on going out this weekend, finally to the goat. It has a Gothic night and dancing is allowed again. So I'm going to oh, check that out and see cool. what that's about. Yeah, uh, all so. I can say is I definitely miss you and I feel like I need to see you. And I think that's what our big problem is, is that we haven't seen each other in so long and we haven't spent time together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We have drank I also here. found that there's a, um, a private speakeasy, a vampire speakeasy here in New Orleans called Potions. Um, oh. You have to have a password to get in and we are going to oh. do check that out too before we go to the goat. So if you go to oh, that, sounds like fun. Oh, wait, I have to show you something. Hold on. That sounds like so much fun guys. In just a second, we're going to get into our story. You guys definitely want to stay around for this because it is a batshit crazy story that Hot I have pocket. for true crime. So Belle's back. That is freaking cute. Where's that from? Cute. A store so there? That's, yes, there's a store here called Boutique du Vampire. Shh. And it's a little backpack and it also doubles as a crossbody. It's a little coffin shaped bag. And just because you guys cute. can't see it, but I'm like, I'm, but you go there and you, they will give you the password to get into potions. Oh, yes. That sounds fun. Um, do you want to take a, a break? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. We can what? start it because my story's a little, it's not that long, but it, you're going to be like, what the fuck at the end of it? So it's okay. definitely, so we can start it. Um, and then uh, we can, this is going to be a longer episode probably, but that's, that's okay. fine. We haven't done a long episode in a while. So, um, so you guys, when we get to the end of this, you're going to be like, what the fuck is going on? Because, um, the, what this lady did it's just nuts. I really feel like she would have been a serial killer had she not been arrested. Mm. Um, she definitely was a nymph. Yes, she was very, very much addicted to sex. <laughs> she was in the point of view, like, definitely. We don't judge. Uh, 
Yes, right. We don't judge. Um, so, you know, this, the saying that you've heard that you do crazy things for love. Um, and if, uh, yes, and if love, um, what did I write? I can't even read my damn handwriting here. So there's like a couple of different things that go along with this crazy ass lady. Her name is Sada Abe. Um, she was born in 1905 and we're in Japan this week. Oh, okay. So, and we're in Japan um, 30s, 40s time. So um, she was born in 1905. Um, if you've heard the saying, if you love something, set them free. She definitely mm. did that. So you'll understand when we get to the end of the story. So on May 19th, 1936, I thought it was fitting because it happened yesterday. On your birthday, yes. 36 <laughs> on my birthday. So uh, May 19th, 1936, the Asahi paper in Japan, the headline was grotesque murder. Beautiful maid carved a name into her lover. So, is it her name? And they get right into it. It was. So we're going to get right into it. So again, she was born in 1905. Her mother doted on her with her being the youngest child and let her do as she wished. Um, there were seven, there were eight kids, um, but the youngest, she wound up being the youngest child because the one that was born after her wound up dying. So, um, but she was as the seventh of eight, the seventh of eight children of um, Shayeg, I'm going to try to say these Japanese names, but Jesus, I've listened to four podcasts, different podcasts today, different, just random ones that were out there about her just to make sure I had my back straight. They couldn't even say their names. So, so just uh, say it and then go with it. It's Shigayashi. There you go. An upper middle class family of tatami mat. There are tatami mat makers. So if you've gone to a Japanese like tea room and the mats that are on the floor that usually sit on with pillows, right. yeah, a traditional like, well, traditional tea house in Japan is actually like a brothel. But I'm talking <laughs> about like if you go to a Japanese like steakhouse here, mm. that's not tea. Have you been to those before? They have this little pillows you sit on around the little short table. No, because um, I'm too chubby to be sitting down <laughs> on my fucking knees or ass. Whatever. That was not made for big girls. Nuh -uh. No, I'd well, be down I mean, there and I would not I get went, the fuck up. I went when I was a bigger girl and my boobs are bigger and my boobs are like sit on the table. <laughs> uh uh. I am not sitting on the ground for shit. So okay. Well, so her family they were the um, Tommy Mat Makers in Tokyo's Kanda neighborhood. Only four of the Abe children survived to adulthood, and of those, Sada was, of course, the youngest, like I said before. Her father, um, Shigeyoshi, was originally from Chaba Prefecture, which is also another province of um, Tokyo, of Japan. He had been adopted into the Aba family to help with the business, which he eventually inherited. At age 52, at the time of Sada's birth, he was described by police as an honest and upright man who had no, um, like nothing against him. He had been a good citizen, never in trouble, very nice. Though some acquaintances reported him to be somewhat self-centered with a taste of extravagance. His mother, uh, excuse me, her mother, Katsu Abe, likewise had no known legal or moral blemishes on her record. So really good people. Um, I have eczema on my elbow, sorry. I'm like sitting here like scratching up my head, please. Um, her siblings and father did behave questionably, though. Her brother, Shintaro, was known as a womanizer, and after his marriage, ran away with his parents' money, which really caused a huge strain on the family. Her sister, Taruka, was also known to have had several lovers. 
So because of that, her father wound up sending her to work in a brothel because it was not, and during that time period, it was not okay for you to tarnish yourself. You know, you needed to stay intact, be a virgin, get married to a rich man. And when you had sex, you were ruined. You know, the, the men only wanted someone that was a virgin. Um, so the dad thought, well, I'm going to send her to a brothel. That'll, that'll show her really like, why would you do that to your child? Um, and it was not uncommon. It was an, it was not an uncommon way to punish female sexual, um, you know, promiscuous girls in Japan, though he soon brought her back after, uh, or bought her, brought her and bought her back because he sold her. So he had to pay her dues. Wow. Turugo's past was not considered a hindrance to marriage for those of the um, obvious class at the time. And she soon married. So she wound up getting married. The sister did. Yeah, because that time frame in Japan, it was very class separated. There were specific classes. And yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, She encouraged um, Abe to um, take lessons in singing. So Sada Abe is her name, but um, Sada is her last name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the province they lived in, you always went by your last name and then your first name was your mm-hmm. last name. So kind of, kind of how the, a lot of Asian cultures do that. Yes. Still. Yeah. Chinese mm-hmm. people definitely, you know, do that as well. So, um, she encouraged a to take lessons in singing and in playing the, um, shamisen, which is like the weird fat guitar looking thing. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Okay, so both activities, which at the time were more closely associated with geisha and prostitutes than with classical artistic endeavors. I was just about to say, I think that that time frame is when the book Memoirs of the Geishas. Um, exactly, is. yeah, it's a great movie. So geishas were considered, yes, geishas. Everyone thinks that geishas are prostitutes. They are absolutely not prostitutes, even though nope. it is it is affiliated with that. People think that it is. It's not. Geishas are Japanese hostess trained to entertain men with conversation, dance, and song. They're and actually it, it, not necessarily sex, but we're going to get into that in a little bit, that they are actually not there to have sex with them. No, that's not the entertain. ultimate purpose. It's, a, it's They're there to entertain. Yes, it's companionship. Right. But it wound up some, like an escort without sex. And then it, right. but it wound up right. being, turning more into like sex workers and stuff later on. But during this time, being a geisha was like a big deal. So if you've watched Mulan, how the training and stuff goes on, they start at like 15 years old to train for mm-hmm. a geisha. So, um, just going to hate this. I lost my place. Okay. So she took the lessons and stuff. Um, and then she was learning basically things that were closer to being geishas. Um, they were considered glamorous celebrities and obey herself, followed the image by skipping school for these lessons and wearing stylish makeup and whatever clothes she could get a hold of. As family problems over her siblings, sister Chiroko and brother Shintaro became more pressing. Abe was often sent out of the house alone. She soon fell in with a group of um, independent teenagers that mm. were up to no good. Yes, refreshed. Um, so at the age of 15, during one of those outings, she was basically, she somehow got into a room with one of the guys she was with and he wound up raping her. Mm. And that is what started her, all of her problems, basically. Um, he brutally raped her and um, no one would listen to her. So going back to nobody listening to you, mm-hmm. nobody would listen to her. Um, so, see, I keep losing my place. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I know, I took my finger off. It's my fault. <laughs> I got to pin that. Okay. 
So again, she went out with an outing and, you know, had fun with these people. Um, I'm sorry, guys. Okay. So on one of these outings when she was 15, so even though her parents defended and supported her, she became a difficult teenager, but she told her mom about what happened with the rape and her mom would not take her to the police, the police to turn this person in because they didn't want their names tarnished. And, and the time, yeah, the time period, they just didn't. And it, they wouldn't have believed her probably. Right. And this is where all her problems start. Like I mm-hmm. said, she was a very good girl until she was 15. And then this happened. And I understand. So as she became more irresponsible and uncontrollable, her parents sold her to a geisha house at Yokohama in 1922. She was 18, 17, 18 at the time, which is old for you to get sold to a geisha house because they want those girls when they're younger to train them. Yes. Mm-hmm. They need to train them. Um, so hoping to find her a place in society with some direction, they sold her in 1922 to the um, Geisha House in Yokohama. Toku Abe, Seda's oldest sister, testified that Sada wished to become a Geisha. She did, She was obsessed with their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. She did like the glamorous part of it. So Seda herself, however, claimed that her father made her a Geisha as punishment for being a promiscuous girl. Promiscuous girl. <laughs> okay. I love that song. Um, so her encounter with the geisha world proved frustrating and disappointing. So to become a true star among geisha required apprenticeship from childhood with years spent studying arts and music, Abe wound up a low-ranking geisha in which her main duties were to provide sex. So the ones that were lower paid are the ones that wound up providing mm-hmm. sex. The yeah. higher paid wound up being the girls that would make them more money, but they were not, they weren't going to have sex with the work, you know, whoever came to see them. She worked for five years in this capacity and eventually she contracted syphilis. Mm. Since this meant she would be required to undergo regular exam- examinations like a legally licensed prostitute. Yes, I said legally licensed prostitute because at that time in Japan, you could be a legally licensed prostitute. In Japan, their culture with sex is totally different than the United States. It is very open. It is very out there. And they I'm all for legalizing sex work. I mean, I don't. Oh, I don't, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. She decided to enter that better paying profession as the legally licensed prostitute. So in the early 1930s, she began work as a prostitute in Osaka's famous Tabita brothel district. We're in the red light district, I guess then, but soon gained a reputation as a troublemaker. She stole money from clients and attempted to leave the brothel several several times, but was tracked down by the well-organized legal prostitution system. So basically, when they became licensed, um, like licensed prostitutes, they were given a payment ahead of time, so a prepayment, so that would help them get on their, get whatever they needed, whatever. And so when they're working as a prostitute, they're basically paying this loan back from what they're prepaying. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So of course they're going to go hunt her down like debt collectors and find her, you know, I'm not sure what kind of debt they're going to, like, how are they going to get debt paid back? You know what I mean? Like, going to garnish her wages. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It just, it was crazy. So after two years, um, she eventually succeeded in escaping the licensed prostitution system and began working as a waitress. However, not satisfied with the wages, she was soon working as a prostitute again, but unlicensed this time, so illegally doing it. She began working in Osaka's unlicensed brothels in 1932. 
Her mother died in January of 1933, and she went back to Tokyo to visit her father in her mother's grave. She entered into the prostitution market in Tokyo and began and became a mistress there for the first time. When her father became seriously ill in January of 1934, she wound up nursing him for 10 days until he died. So in October of 1934, she was arrested in a police raid on the unlicensed brothel at which she was working. Uh, Kasahara. So hold on, hold on. Her mom died. And mm-hmm. in, in January of 1933, and then her dad died January of 1934, a year later. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And it wound up too that her brother, let me backtrack here for a second. Her brother wound up um, stealing a lot of money again from the family, like I said earlier. And so her parents really struggled for the, oh. for the rest of their lives because of that. And so that's so sad. That took a part. Yeah. So in October 1934, she was arrested in a police raid in the unlicensed brothel at which she was working. Um, Kanasuku Kasahara, a well-connected friend of the brothel owner, arranged to have the woman released. He was attracted to Abe, and finding that she had no debts, because she had already pretty much paid those debts Everything back, off. and with Abe's agreement, made her his mistress. Kasahara set up a house for Abe on December 20th, 1934, so a year after her dad died, and pro- almost a year, and provided her with money. In his deposition to the police, he remembered she was really strong, a real powerful one. Even though I'm pretty jaded, she was enough to astound me. She wasn't satisfied unless we did it two, three, or four times a night. Hmm, all right. I only wish. <laughs> she go, wah, wah. <laughs> to two, her, three, four was, times? Wow. She was a nymph. I'm telling you, you just mm-hmm. wait. Just wait, there's more. <laughs> to her, it was unacceptable. Unless, um, oh, where was it? Uh, it was unacceptable unless I had my hand on her private parts all night long. At first, it was great, but after a couple of weeks, I got a little exhausted. <laughs> so when a basic that shit got that, old. When Abe suggested that that's only that only sounds good when you're watching it on porn, but the reality, yeah. like what the fuck. <laughs> so um, she suggested that he leave his wife to marry her, but he refused. She then asked Kasahara to let her take a lover, which she also refused to do as well. After that, the relationship ended, and to escape him, she left for Nagoya, which is um, outside of Tokyo. Um, we can end there if you want and take a yeah, break. Yeah, take a break. And we'll see the rest because the ending of this story. I mean, I still have a little bit to talk about, but it'll go pretty fast. So, okay. Stay tuned for the after the break. A break. Break a break. A break. <laughs> Hey guys, Mel here from Gotham Bougie Podcast. Did you know that if you go to www.patreon.com slash Gotham Bougie Podcast, you can become a patron and you will receive lots of rewards along with some special gifts once you've been a member after two months. And you also get special little gifts from us and some little trinkets throughout the time that you are a patron on our Patreon. So go and join Patreon now. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash goth and bougie podcast. What are you waiting for? Bye. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for staying tuned through this long ass episode and all of our bullshit. Welcome back. Welcome back to Coffee and Beige Podcast. It is episode uh, 76. Yes. Yeah. So, by the way, um, we found 
cemeteries that are open. It's they're at the end of the cemetery line. They're just the ones right here, walkable to the French Quarter or not. But if you get on the streetcar, can't wait for you to come back. So much more shit is open. If you get on the streetcar, the line that's um, Canal Street and it says Canal Cemeteries and ride it all the way down. St. Patrick number one is open. St. Patrick number two is open. The Masonic is open. The Jewish Cemetery is open. The Katrina Memorial is open. During the day, I mean, they close at like four, but. Yeah. Hey, you sound funny. What? There, that's better. You sounded muffled. I sound muffled. You did. No, you better. I guess I'm muffled now. I'm okay coming in August. You said no. It's hot as hell, but no, August is hot. No, we're gonna be fucking drunk the whole time. Who cares? No, no, no. <laughs> look, at, look at my eyes. This is sad. I'm crying. You're beautiful. That was on Yeah, you look beautiful. <laughs> you look beautiful. We're sorry, guys. We're like on a we're on a rant. We're just like la la land. So we start over. Let's start over. <laughs> Let's start over. I'm not starting over. Nope. Keep going. Oh Lord, guys. Okay. Back to the story of this crazy pants lady. So Kasahara ended his testimony. Um, remember he, she was his mistress with an angry remark about of a saying. Remember, he took her as a mistress. Why was he testifying? What, what were we talking we're about? Gonna get, we're gonna get into it. Okay. All right. I'm so he said she is a slut and a whore, and as what she has done makes clear, she is a woman whom men should fear. Likewise, he speaks in rhyme. He's a poet. <laughs> yes, right. Remembered Kasahara in less than flattering terms, saying he didn't love me and treated me like an animal. He was the kind of scum um, who would then plead with me when I said that we should break up to stay. Mm. Yeah. So you all you know guys, those types. Mm, yes, you guys are definitely going to be like, oh, I know what she. Why they're confessing and doing stuff now. Um. So in Nagayoi. In Nagaya, I don't know how you say that, N A G O Y A, in 1935, again intending to leave the sex industry, she began working as a maid at a restaurant. She soon became romantically involved with a customer at the restaurant, Goro Amiya, a professor and banker who aspired to become a member of the Diet of Japan. I don't know what the Diet of Japan is, but he wanted to be part of that. The Diet? D I E T? Yes. D I E T. Knowing that the restaurant would not tolerate a, a maid having sexual relations with clients and bored with Nagia, she returned. I think she had fucking ADHD is what I think. She got bored really <laughs> easy, really fast. She returned to Tokyo in June. Amaya um, met Abe in Tokyo and finding that she had contracted syphilis, paid for her to stay in a hot springs resort in Katsusu from November until January 1936. In January, Amaya um, suggested that Ebe could become financially independent by opening a small restaurant and recommended that she start working as an apprentice uh, position in such business. So he was trying to help her like become financially wealthy and become a better person in society. Back in Tokyo, she began work as an apprentice at the Yashidaya on February 1st, 1936. The owner of this establishment, um, Ishida, his name was Kashizo Ashida. He was 42 at the time, had worked his way up in business, starting as an apprentice at an eel restaurant. Hmm. He had opened the um, 
Yishigaya, which is the, the restaurant in Tokyo's Nakano neighborhood in 1920. When Abe uh, joined his restaurant, Ishada was known as a womanizer who did little in the way of re, uh, running the restaurant, which was managed mostly by his wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. So not long uh, after she began work there at the restaurant, her and Ishida began making advances towards each other. Um, Amaya had never satisfied Abe sexually, and she gave in to Ishida. In mid-April, Ishida and Abe in, um, initiated their sexual relationship in the restaurant. And the hmm. wife was okay with it because she had had an affair. Yeah, so okay. she was like, this is fine. So to the um, accompaniment of a romantic ballad sung by one of the restaurant's geishas. Uh-huh. Oh, there's more. Just wait. They were very sexually permitted. Like, they didn't care who was watching them. Fuck, they didn't care. They were having sex all over the place with whoever wanted to watch. They didn't care. Yes. So on April 23rd, 1936, they both met for a prearranged sexual encounter at a tea house. Um, so tea house would mean like a brothel pretty yeah. much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The contemporary equivalent of a love hotel in the Shibayu neighborhood. Planning only for a short fling, the couple remained in bed for four days. (laughs) On the night of April 27th, 1936, they moved to another tea house in the distant neighborhood of Futako, Tamagawa. Here, they continued to drink and have sex, sometimes with the accompaniment of geisha singing. They would continue even as maids entered the room to serve sake. Mm -hmm. The next move, their uh, marathon lovemaking bout to the Agu. I mean, when it's good, it's good. Hmm. Ashida did not return to the restaurant until the morning of May 8, 1936. Of Ashida, Abe later said, it is hard to say exactly what was so good about Ashida, but it was impossible to say anything bad about his looks, his attitude, his skill as a lover, the way he expressed the feelings. I had never met such a sexy man. So she was just really attracted and infatuated with this man. After they separated, Abe became agitated and began drinking excessively. She claimed that um, with Ashida, she knew love for the very first time in her life Aww. because she felt like she did not feel that from her parents because of what they did to her and, yep. you know, being raped and stuff. It was very hard for her. And that may have been part of her acting out on with her sexual activity. A lot of times exactly. it's, it's not necessarily sex that they're looking for. They're just looking for fulfillment Pleasure. and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where was I? Okay, so after they separated, um, she became as she started drinking, whatever. Um, she knew love for the first time from him, and the thought that Ishida was back with his wife made her very, very, very jealous and angry. Over a week before the um over a week before this last time they got together, um, she began considering what she was going to do. On May 9th, 1936, she attended a play in which a geisha attacks her lover with a large knife. After seeing this, Abe decided to threaten Ishida with a knife at their next meeting. So on May 11th, 1936, she pawned some of her clothing. You can pawn clothes there, obviously, by the way. <laughs> really? If I, pawn, if I could pawn my fucking clothes, I'd be a rich motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus, I have so many clothes. Um, so she pawned some of her clothes and used the money to buy some sushi and kitchen knives. Abe later, I say Abe because it's A-B-E, but it's a bay. Later described meeting Ashada that night. I pulled the kitchen knife out of my bag and threatened him as um, threatened him as had been done in the play I had seen, saying, Kitchy, 
You wore that kimono just to please one of your favorite customers. You bastard. I'll kill you for that. Ashada was startled and drew away a little, but he seemed delighted with it all. He was a little freak a leak too, so. <laughs> freak a leak a leak. Freak a leak. Ashada and Abe uh, returned to Obu, where they remained until he died. During their lovemaking this time, Abe put the knife to the base of Ashada's penis and said she would make sure he would never play around with another woman or go back with his wife. Ashada laughed at this. Two nights into the, this bout of sex, Abe began choking Ashada and he, so, um, asphyxiation, uh, what is it, erotic asphyxiation? Yeah, erotic. Um, yep. And he told her to continue saying that this increased his pleasure. She had him do it to her as well, even with the maids, as they came in and did what they needed to do, they did not stop fucking. On the evening of May 16, 1936, a used her obi sash to cut off Ashida's breathing during orgasm. They both enjoyed it. They repeated this for two more hours. Once a stopped the strangulation, Ashida's face became distorted and would not return to its normal appearance. Ashida took 30 tablets of a sedative called Kamatine to try to soothe his pain. According to Abay, um, as Ashida started to doze, he told her, you'll put the cord around my neck and squeeze it again while I'm sleeping, probably won't you? If you start to strangle me, don't stop because it's so painful afterward. Abay commented that she, uh, that she wondered if he had wanted her to kill him. Or she thought about like, she, you know, maybe he does want me to kill him. Yeah. But on reflection, decided he must have been joking. So about reflection, he must seem <laughs> about well, two a.m. on the morning of May 18, 1936, as Ashita was asleep, she wrapped her sash twice around his neck and strangled him to death. But wait, there's more. She told the police, after I killed Ashita, I felt totally at ease, as though a heavy burden had been lifted from my shoulders, and I felt a sense of clarity. So to me, it feels like she was punishing the, her raper, even though he yeah. wasn't the raper. Right, yeah. Because she still had unresolved issues from that. Oh, but wait, there's more. After lying with Ashita's body for a few hours, she next, are you ready? Are you ready? She next severed his penis, his genitalia, with the kitchen knife, wrapped them in a magazine cover like you would roll up a sausage, and kept them until his her arrest three days later. With the blood, she wrote Sada Kichi Patarpi, Sada Kichi together on Ashada's left thigh and on a bed sheet. She then carved Sada, the character of her name, so in Japanese character her name, mm. into his left arm. After putting on Ashada's underwear, yes, she put on his underwear, she left the inn about 8 a.m. telling the staff not to disturb Ashida went because of all their love making he was mm, tired. yeah so when asked and they're used she, to that so they right yeah. and when asked why she had severed his um, genitalia his dick she replied because i couldn't take his head or body with me i wanted to take the part of him that brought back to me the most vivid memories of him after i thought you were going to say that she ate it wait there's more. oh no oh no she met Goro Mia, who she, you know, she had moved there with. 
She repeatedly apologized to him for um, unaware of the murder. He was unaware of what had happened and that she was carrying with her in her purse, this penis, this man's penis, assumed that she was apologizing for having taken another lover. Her apologies were for the damage to his political career that she had caused, knowing that she had had syphilis with fiber brothel and, and all this stuff. So on May 19th, 1936, the newspapers picked up the story and his career was ruined because all this came about that they were together. So her life was under um, intense public scrutiny from the point, this point onwards. The story immediately became a national sensation and the ensuing frenzy over her search was called a day side of panic. I mean, people were going fucking batshit crazy everywhere people were going. They're like, there's a side, there's a... What's her um, name? There she is, Abeisada. There she is. And people were like stampede trying to get away from her because she was like a fucking, they're like, she's the devil. She's a maniac. She's crazy. Um, police received reports of sightings of her from various cities. One false sighting nearly caused a stampede in the Gonza or Ginza, excuse me, resulting to a large traffic jam. And a reference to the recent failed coup in Tokyo, the Nimi Ruko incident, um, the crime was strategically dubbed the Go Ichi Hachi incident. Okay. So, uh, 5-18 or May 18th. So on May 19th, 1936, she went shopping, saw a movie with his penis in her purse. She stayed, she stayed in an inn in Shinagua on May 20th where she had a massage, drank three bottles of beer, and drank oh, two well, bottles yeah. of beer. She spent the day writing farewell letters in Amaya, a friend, um, and Ishida. She planned to commit suicide one week after the murder and practice necrophilia. Mm, mm. I felt attached to Ishida's mm, penis mm, and mm, thought mm. that only after taking leave from it quietly could I then die. There are a lot of fetishes that I can be like, all right, I get it. That is not what we finished. <laughs> I had, okay, ready? I unwrapped the paper. I'm telling you, all the contacts, they were, I was dying on some of these. I unwrapped the paper holding them. I unwrapped the paper. Yes. So she unwrapped the sausage in the paper, mm-hmm. holding them and gazed at his penis and scrotum. I put his penis in my mouth and even tried to insert it inside me. Uh- it didn't work, however, well, though. Duh. I kept trying and trying. <laughs> Guys, this is a week after she's fucking cut his dick. And, she thinks him like a dildo. Like She's so trying to shove it inside herself. That is so yes, fucked up. Yes. I mean, she <sighs> on this long without sex. I mean, just saying, you know. I guess you got to do what you got to do. But I mean, hmm. Um, so she tried to insert it inside her. It didn't work, however, though. I kept trying and trying. Then I decided that I would flee to Osaka, staying with the shotta's penis all the while. In the end, I would jump from a cliff and mount a como on Mount Akomo while holding on. She was going to mount the como. Who's who's a como? She's going to jump off a cliff on Mount (laughs) Akomo. On Mount Akomo while holding on to his penis. She can like she can like like the helicopter propeller. Wow. So at four o'clock in the afternoon, police detectives, suspicious of the alias under which a, a bay was registered, came to her room. Don't be so formal, she told them. You're looking for Sada, um, Sada Bay, right? Well, that's me. I'm Sada Bay. When the police were not convinced, she displayed Ashada's genitalia as proof. Mm. So she was arrested, interrogated, um, went to um, 
went to court, everything. Um, she became, so one of the things the interrogating officer was struck by his demeanor is when they asked what she had, why she had killed Ashita, immediately she became excited and her eyes sparkled in a strange way. Her answer was, I loved him so much. I wanted him all to myself. So she was very infatuated, almost like a stalker. I mean, she yeah. was going to be a stalker. Obsessed. Very obsessed, like single white female obsessed. But since we were not husband and wife, as long as he lived, he could not, he, and be embraced by other women. I knew that if I killed him, no other woman could ever touch him again. So I killed him. And attempting to explain what um, distinguished Abe's um, case from over a dozen other similar cases in Japan, William Johnson suggests that it is this answer which captured the imagination of the nation. She had killed not out of jealousy, but out of love. Mark Schraber notes that the Sada Bay incident um, occurred at a time when the Japanese media were preoccupied with extreme political and military troubles, including the Nini Ruko incident and a looming full-scale war in China. He suggests that a um, sensationalistic sex scandal, oh my God, <laughs> say that five times fast, such as this served as a welcome national release from the disturbing events of the time. The incident also struck a chord with the Iroguro uh, Nanisu erotic grotesque nonsense, style popular at the time, and the Sada Abe incident came to um, represent the genre for years to come. So when the details of the crime were made public, rumors began to circulate that Ashada's penis was of extreme, uh, was um, extraordinary size. However, the police Officer who interrogate, interrogated Abe after her arrest denied this saying Ashada's was just average. So of course, me being who I am, I had to look at Japanese <laughs> average penis size. Yes, I did. Yes, I did look it up. It's 5.35 inches. If anyone's interested, wow, because really? That's just me and my perversion ways. I, I had feel to really sad for the Japanese women. After her arrest, Ashida's but they're penis, all pretty small. <laughs> Yeah, um, penis testicles were moved to Tokyo University Medical School's Pathology Museum, where you could go and study it. They were put on public display soon after the end of World War II, but have since disappeared. So maybe she got them. <laughs> Who wow. Knows? Um, so the first day of trial happened November 25th, 1936. Um, at this point, she had kind of become um, a very popular, like not like positive person. She was becoming positive to people. I can see that. People. Like, yeah. Yeah. So um, she said, the thing I regret most about the incident is that I have come to be misunderstood as some kind of sexual pervert. There had never been a man in my life like Ashita. Hmm. There were men I liked and with whom I slept without accepting money, but none made me feel the way I did toward him. Um, so she was in 1936. She was convicted of murder. December 3rd, 21st, 1936, convicted of murder um, in the second degree and um, mutilation of a corpse because she did it after he was dead. Though the prosecution demanded 10 years, Abe claimed that she was um, desired the death penalty. She wanted to die so she could go be with him. Hmm. She was in fact sentenced to just six years in prison. And so she went to the women's penitentiary in Tochigu. Um, where she was prisoner number 11. So she was stripped of her name and everything. And she was only known as prisoner number 11. Hmm. Um, her sentence was um, in 1940, only five years into her sentence, she was allowed to um, get out of jail, got the get out of jail free card and was released. What are you looking at? That scares me. Don't do it's, that. It's um, the wind's picking up. Sorry. 
Oh, Jesus. Remind me to tell you um, something when you're done with your story. Okay. So um, the police record of her interrogation and confession became a national bestseller in 1936. Um, and it was a fascination with a lot of people there. And it was called Poison Woman. Um, so hmm. it, all these books, there's been movies, there's been all kinds of stuff. About that is this. a very interesting story. And so by the early 1910s, autobiographical, autobiography, uh, biographies, Jesus Christ, by criminal women took an um, unapologetic tone. I cannot talk anymore. And sometimes included criticisms of Japan and Japanese society, basically saying, you know, it's okay for the men to have mistresses and all these affairs and stuff. And the women were always looked down on it. Yeah. So I can see um, why, I was so, you know, she, women would have looked at her like women and, you know, woman empowerment that she, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Kana Sugu, who was hanged in 1911 for conspiring to assassinate Emperor Meja in what was known as the High Treason Incident, wrote openly rebellious essays while in prison. Fumiko Kanuko was um, then sentenced to death for plotting to bomb the imperial family and used her notary to speak against the imperial system and the racism and um, paternalism, which she said it endangered with mm-hmm. a base confession in the years since its appearance. Become uh, has become the most um, circulated female criminal narrative in Japan because feminism hmm. was really very popular at that time too. Right um, in Japan, so Marin points out that Abe, unlike previous criminal um, autobiographers, stressed her sexuality and the love she felt for her victim. So, um, she, when she was released from prison, she tried to open another restaurant and wind up failing. And um, she became yeah, she became a Buddhist. And um, so the last known um, time that anyone has seen her was apparent, and it's just hearsay, um, but it was at a Buddhist um, nunnery. She became a Buddhist nun, so Hmm. um, in the 70s, and that's the last time anyone has, they don't, nobody knows if she's dead, if she's died, she changed her name. Um, Yeah, so. Interesting. That's my crazy story. That is crazy. That's awesome. I kind of like her. Ada Abe. I mean, yeah. don't take that the wrong way. Anybody, Sorry. But. Sorry, guys. You're probably like holding yourself now. Like, oh, <laughs> I've been all shrunk up. Look, I forgot to show you this. Did a, I think you, did you see it online? The shine got me for my for Mother's <laughs> yes. Day. I, love it. I was like, oh my God, it's nine photos of her face. I love it. It's everyone. It's a blanket with um my oldest daughter's face all over it it's she said she was gonna get me a pillow one of the ones with the you know you rub it one way it's sequins and oh yeah, yeah, but, yeah but you only can put one photo on that one oh no so you needed a she needed nine she needed some she needed lots of photos <laughs> yes um oh. Oh, what i was gonna tell you uh to remind me so the other night i've had a lot of rough nights but i'm like i woke up to my alarm my phone fuck i'm like half asleep I'm like, tornado warning in your area what ah. like, what is this real i was like i don't like shake myself like am i am i awake is this real is this for here i'm like it's real life what the fuck now we're in new orleans there's no it was real there was a fucking tornado here <laughs> we are like, okay i woke everyone up i'm like 
Robert, we got to get up. There's a, it's real. There's a fucking tornado. It says, take cover now. There's a tornado in your ear. Like, holy fuck. I go in there and get Isabel up. We're like, okay, let's get, let's get the dogs in the bathroom. And, and we get the dogs in there and Isabel's in there. And I had to go catch her fucking bird. Had to catch a bird and put him in the little thing. Cause you know, I can't let the bird get taken away with the tornado. Right, right. Not better. God, not better, not better. So we're in the bathroom. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. I feel like I'm back in Texas. This is <laughs> well, is I everybody mean, okay? Yeah, Denver? everyone's okay. It was like, it wasn't right here. It wasn't at the quarter. It was, and I'm thinking, how would even it work? Like, isn't there too many buildings here for a tornado to even no the momentum? Sweetheart, sweetheart remember downtown Fort Worth? I know, but I right wanna, down the yes, right? Fort I'm like, God, I was like, I was so foggy. My brain was like, this is just like, I felt like it was alternate reality or something like uh, when I first looked at I'm like is this real is this for here then real I'm like looking, like holy yes is this real life is this, is this really happening so yeah there's a fucking tornado here so that's why I'm like looking out I'm seeing all my plants blowing around in the wind out there but I was like there's no sirens like you know we're used to hearing sirens there are no sirens I didn't hear no sirens it was crazy then we realized that we were probably holed up in the absolute worst place we could be in the building because the way our building is arranged okay so this is this is like my apartment okay Mm -hmm. my courtyard is like this in the middle okay and my both bathrooms are on each side oh yeah we were in a bathroom there was should have been in the closet or something the kitchen the kitchen is underneath the stairwell so like oh fuck and my husband said I was thinking about that while we're in the bathroom like you didn't say something (laughs) why Even his was like, I thought about that too. That maybe it wasn't the best place. <laughs> you could have said something. Thank God we didn't get swept away in a twister. But I thought that was just crazy. I didn't realize that. God, now I got to worry. I, I was already worried about hurricanes. Now there's tornadoes too here. So, fuck. Anyway, that was a fun why, episode. Why you're ups saying- and downs. Yes. Well, this episode seems to be ups and downs. So I figured it was worked out really great as is our life as is our everything as the world us. turns welcome to as the world turns i'm gonna go get my nails done this weekend that's the one thing my that's the first to do thing i have to do with my counseling is I have, to do, I have to do one thing that's for me yes. only and i can't absolutely and i can't feel guilty about it that's the thing i will go and i'll get my nails done i'm like i'm, I'm feeling guilty about the money i'm spending and i'm leaving isabel and robert at home alone i'm by myself and so i have to not feel bad about it i think that's what happens to moms and we're mm-hmm. so used to giving to our kids and giving to our kids or giving to our spouses that we forget to take care of ourselves mm-hmm. um, and we may go do stuff but then we don't actually be in the moment of it and then be okay with right. it right because you're thinking about like if you're at the beach you're thinking oh my god the kids going in the water the you're still thinking about oh everything else you're not in the moment yeah yes yeah and yes I understand mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. Uh-huh. but there is a nail place that we I one of my co-workers today told me about and um my the billing girls me and Eva and Joanne we're gonna go we went to Margarita Monday again Monday so that was a lot of fun they're really fun girls we're going to do group training too. We're going to go to the beach for a weekend, but um, we're going to um, Ombre Nails. It's a new nail place. Mm-hmm. And so um, she was telling, Brooke is her name. She was saying, girl, she said she's going to blush nails in Lexington. Or I'm like, oh no, that's a place I went to the first time. They have like two pedicures. 
they don't even she's I said she's like girl you need to go to ombre nails because they have like 20 pedicures you get to choose your flavor of lotion I'm like oh my god yes that's my it's place. got the chairs and the like yes. I like going like the place that I go here the good thing is that it's only a block away I mean I walk there my appointment's at noon I leave it at 11 55 um but like they don't have the massage chairs but the the girl who does nails is absolutely amazing I mean this is like I told you I got this done when Cheyenne was here and they're still so um that's the only thing I miss is like the massage chairs yeah, yeah I, I don't ever turn on massage chairs because I feel like what? they're gonna mess up my nails I don't ever you know what I, <laughs> you so know funny. I never I never you know I'm very high strung I never mm. relax like even when they're like doing my mm. nails Mr. Lee's always like Relax, relax. Yeah, and you're trying to use, you're like, <gasps> my fingers are like, uh, like, relax. I'm like, I never relax. But Even that if, like, goes back to in being in the moment and enjoying it. If they fuck it up, yes. they're going to fix it. Yeah, I just, but I, and no, it's not that he's making me have anxiety. I just, my body does not know how to relax because I'm always just on that. We're on that. So are you going to get life. your nails done this weekend? On Tuesday after work, we're going to go. Okay. The girls, so that we're going to go. Yeah. You and me so, both. Yeah. You so have, I'm if gonna, you start to worry or think about something else, you have to shoot away your mind. And I'll do the same thing. We have to yeah, have, make it back. Pinky swear. I, pinky swear. I think we, we're just we that. Will. Yes. I think we're just that, that we're always in that um, mode of I'm ready of what's good. Yeah. Ready to fly. Like we're ready mm -hmm. to like, just get away from whatever mm -hmm. situation we need to get away from. And I think that's just what we, you, I know you, especially um, mm -hmm. we've learned that. Yeah, we've learned that because, you know, you've been through so much shit. I've been through a lot of shit and it's just. Remember the time I was held up at the car wash before? I don't know if we've told that story. Then we another no, time. No, you're can you tell. Remember the time we were held up in a house because we were locked in because you were having a fucking asthma attack because the goddamn cat. <sighs> I think we did <laughs> we tell like, that story. <laughs> yeah, I think we did tell that story. Oh, shit. Oh, remember okay. that time? Remember that time when I shit you not? <laughs> <laughs> I was literally held up at gunpoint yeah, sure. the night before. First day of school, senior. Yes, year. I remember that. And you were fucking, that's why you had anxiety because I remember how anxious you were. And nobody, you know what was funny is that after that happened, no one in my family ever talked about it. And for the longest of time, I thought it was a dream. I thought I dreamt it until one day my dad mentioned it. And I was like, oh, that really happened. <laughs> I could have told you it happened. I remember you telling me about it. No one talked about it. I really think you called. I think you called me that night. You missed mm -hmm. school the first day of school. I was late, yeah, because that yeah, was too stressed. I was, I was, gonna, I was gonna drive the car. I was so excited. We were, I was gonna drive my mom and dad's car. It was it was gonna be fun. It didn't turn out so fun. Well, I'm so glad that he didn't murder you because that would have been me fun. too. I know, right? All right, I'll guys, be I'll be ready next on next episode. I'll be ready with my story. All right. All right, guys, make sure you Sorry. guys go follow us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, become a patron on Patreon. We've been telling you this for so fucking long because our patrons are going to get this super amazing, they're right behind me, or get this super amazing gift. And I think it's super cool. It's so cool. And I'm going to throw a card in for each of you guys. If you guys want to pass out some cards, I'll put a few cards in there. Um, but I'm excited. Yes. Please, 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 please become a patron on Patreon. Um, it just allows us to bring a lot more content. You got to you guys we would do some trips to some really cool, spooky, fun places. Um, if you guys have stories you want us to talk about, please let us know. We want we want y'all's input as well. Um, will we talk about it? Well, maybe. You know. Yeah. Is, and then so. you know what? There was somebody that reached out to me on Facebook. Um, who said you told them to reach out to me for things to do in New Orleans and I've not responded her yet and oh, I told yes. her I would but um what was her name I don't remember 
Was it Jesse? Yes. So Jesse, I'm sorry. I've not responded to you. If you just listened to this entire show, you know what I'm going through mentally. And that's why I've not responded to you, but you're not coming till July. And I'll make sure I respond to you before she, July. She's one of my, so her oldest <laughs> daughter, Yesenia is graduating college and going or going graduating high school, excuse me, Saxe high school, and then going off to college and her and her girls, um, Elena, Yesenia and Jesse, they all listen to the show every week. So she uh, called me last yeah, week. She said she like, listens to the show. She's like, Mel said I should reach out to you. So I'm just wanted to apologize and it's I my fault I, I was to supposed yet. to tell you and then I forgot that she she actually called me and that's when I told her but she called me she's like I really think you just need to be back to your text because you sound so down last episode and I'm like no it'll be better <laughs> the thing the thing is if I was there in Texas it would be even worse yeah you know like to me it's like it's it's bearable because I'm here yeah because you don't have a lot of everything else on your plate like yeah this um yeah. I, I, I think to myself well at least i'm here yeah <laughs> yeah well i'm flying home june 11th 12th and 13th to get david i'm actually going to yesenia's um graduation party that sunday before we leave so awesome yeah great great family um lots i'll of get fun. back to her so, yeah day i told her i'm like <laughs> she's like what right. do you do? i said oh bell's the best person to tell you not me so. yeah and i do i i, I have plenty to tell her i just haven't responded yet i'm sorry all right all guys just become a patron on patreon that's all i'm gonna tell you from now on and we're gonna try this a thousand times like <laughs> i'm ready you count it down we're gonna oh, do three great. thank you to our high priest jeff, jeff and robert, and robert. Thank, thank you thank you so we're thank gonna count you. it down you're you gonna count it down you're gonna no i'm telling you right now okay. you're gonna say three one, two one wait two. no three two one pause and then say it okay okay three two one y'all come, come back, back now, now you're, you're here. here that was not together 